is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. All right, well, there is nothing that inspires confidence like the President of the United States on days like today. It's just nothing that inspires confidence, you know, because you hear that on one hand, oh man, we got this, we got this thing. It sounds like it's straight out of Transformers, right? Omicron. And it's supposed to be the worst yet. This thing, it could have a hundred variants. A hundred variants. And what do you get? You get, uh, hey, Joe, you got to go say something here. What? Yeah, wake up. You got to go, you got to like, you know, go on the street corner. And uh, say something. And so he goes, mumble, mumble, boosters, boosters, mumble, mumble, bumble, mumble, boosters. This will give you a taste of it right here. This was the president uh, earlier today, fearless leader, inspiring confidence amidst the, the latest variant of concern. Every American who's not been vaccinated should be responsible and be vaccinated from age five years ago. Number two, everyone eligible for the booster shot should get the booster shot immediately upon being eligible. That is a minimum that everyone should be doing. Yeah, you give the booster. And if five and older, and uh, here's the way I think this goes now. Because it's, it's clear they don't really know what the heck they're doing. So I think the way this works is now you go in and, and you go, all right, hit me with the Moderna on the left arm. You hit me with the Pfizer in the right arm, and you just bend over and, and take the J&J, you know, right there. I think that's the way it, it works going forward. I, I think that's the uh, the recommendation as of, of Monday. Just absolutely incredible, isn't it? Hey there. I am your friend in South Florida, Brian Mudd. The host of The Morning Rush, WJNO in West Palm Beach. The Brian Mudd Show, WIOD in Miami. Always an honor and a pleasure being here with you. Filling in for the great one, Mark Levin. I hope you and your family had an absolutely wonderful Thanksgiving. More about that here in a moment. You may follow me and hit me up with all your comments, questions, and concerns at Brian Mudd Radio on Twitter, on Parlor. And on Getter. And when I talk about a, a happy Thanksgiving, there's one thing that dawned on me today. Aside from probably the bigger variant of concern being Joe Biden as president of the United States as opposed to Omicron. Just saying. Aside from that realization, as he was mumbling about boosters. Getting home today. I had a wonderful Thanksgiving with my family. It is always a blessing to be able to spend time. My parents, my dad's been on borrowed time for years. It's like a scientific experiment at this point. So it is is truly a, a blessing to get to spend the uh, the holidays with them. Now, I live in, in the Palm Beaches, and my, my parents are over in Naples on the other side of the state of Florida. And so we have what we refer to as the Alligator Alley. And, you know, to get a, the, the most efficient way to get across South Florida is to use the alley. And so we're coming back this morning, and everything was great on the alley. And then we hit I-95. Soon as we hit the interstate, 
All lanes northbound shutdown. Accident. Who the heck knows? Spe- car spewed across the interstate. Not good. So then end up getting home after a while. And then I get everything settled. Coming in here to the station. A couple hours later, I-95 northbound again. All lanes shut down. Car splattered everywhere. I get off on the nearest exit. I'm going to take cross street, you know, side streets to get the rest of the way to the station. All lanes shut down. Car parts splattered across all lanes. And something dawned on me about this time as well. Not only is that one really crappy way to end Thanksgiving, to be splattered on the road with other people that are splattered on the road, and I'm talking about the cars. But the other thing, and you got to remember this, because I saw the way that a lot of people are driving. You ever been in the DMV? And you took a look around for a few minutes, and you're like, holy crap. That's why it's like it out there on the roads. You know what I'm saying? Just kind of look around and go, wow, the, you know, these really are the people that I'm that I'm on the road with. It, it all starts to make sense at that point. Well, in that context, and, and this is really important, really important if you're on the road right now, and you're coming back from having seen family or, you know, whatever. There are Biden voters with you on the road right now. It is, you think about this. There are people that took a look at Joe Biden and said, yeah, that guy. Give me some of that sweet action as president of the United States. Right? So in, in based upon where you live, I mean, it could be the majority of the people around you right now. So in the context of enjoying the rest of this Thanksgiving weekend, just remember that and take all appropriate precautions. Man, I, I tell you, just, and I, and I jazz, but obviously only, only to a point, just so much insanity on the roads out there today. And then just unreal, the amount of, of just carnage with cars everywhere that I came, let alone the fact that it took me about an extra hour and a half to get from here to there today. All right, now, look, about the, obviously the story today is is the virus, right? It's it's the latest incarnation. It's Omicron, the the new Worst bad thing ever in in the history of this virus and everything that's going to be. We have new travel restrictions that the president of the United States is putting in place as of Monday. Restrictions for eight countries, starting with South Africa, which is where we're hearing this originated. Botswana, you know, South Africa. It's into Hong Kong. Sounds like it's into Israel. Truth is, could be a lot of places and people just don't know it yet. I was thinking about something in the context of our fearless leader, Joe Biden. You know, in March, when he was noting the one-year anniversary of the virus in the United States, he, he said this in his speech. He said, look, we know what we need to do to beat this virus. Tell the truth. Follow the scientists and the science. We're together. Put trust and faith in our government to fulfill its most important function, which is protecting the American people. No function more important. I feel like we've been forced to follow the scientists, the Fauciist, and then the alleged science. And all we've got for it is, you know, got to show for it is, is Omicron at this point, right? So here's what I'd really like to hear from Biden at this point, because... Literally, everything he says, we get the opposite. 
he is going to beat the virus. He told us how we were going to beat the virus. And he declared victory in so many words over the virus on Independence Day, right? I would I would have felt better today if rather than, you know, kind of like stumbling out Nantucket and going mumble, mumble boosters, he had said, look, you know what? We don't know what the heck we're doing here. And I think we're, we're, we're screwed. You know, I mean, it's it's not looking good. Because at least at that point, there's a chance that the opposite will continue to happen. And things might actually turn around. Now, the bigger concern in the here and now, as we wait to see what this thing is going to be all about, and we have no idea. Uh, the, the WHO, of course, naming this thing a variant of concern, saying, hey, this could have up to 100 different variants attached to it. More more variants than Joe Biden's stories about having alternative careers to being a career politician. You know, like the, the time, hey, I drove an 18-wheeler, man. Because he, that guy's so impressive. When he was in the Senate, he got a CDL, went out there, drove 18-wheelers. We didn't even know it. You know, and then, you know, recently he, he let us know that he ended up uh, test driving one of those electric s- school buses that, uh, hey, you, you passed the BBB. We're going to roll out these electric school buses, and, you know, I've driven one. You know, the, we, yeah, you probably didn't know this, but, I mean, Biden once upon a time was an astronaut. He just hasn't gotten around to telling us. But anyway, more variants than, than Joe Biden has told tall tales about what he's accomplished during the course of his life. And we already have the reaction pouring in from around the world. And we know that the Fauciists are going to try to do what? Take away your rights. Lock you down, restrict you, make you scared. And we have to be prepared for that, okay? And the best way to be prepared for that is informationally, but also with pragmatism. Now, I mean, just, and I'm not trying to rub it in your face here, but my, my governor is better than your governor, okay? Unless your governor is my governor. And my governor is, is damn sure better than our president. And we're all stuck with that guy. But how the, the opportunity to wake up in the free state of Florida is truly what keeps me sane these days. So what I'm going to be doing for the next few hours is helping provide a healthy dose of sanity and some hope for all of us backed by analytics. And that's because living in the free state of Florida, living under Governor DeSantis... I know, among other things, the guy has balls. No, really, if you go to Governor DeSantis's campaign website, he's selling golf balls right now. You'll see that Florida's governor has a pair, and he's willing to, to sell them to you. But anyway, got a lot of information about what has been going on here, including Governor DeSantis getting it right, a roadmap for what can be helpful in your own community, in your own state, and speaking of your own state, especially if it's a blue state. Coming up in the second hour, I'm going to get into something huge that's happening here. You already know about the momentum, the wave that's been building. You know what happened in the elections in the beginning of this month. I'm going to give you information they likely have not received to date. Information about where President Biden's approval ratings are worst. Here's a hint. Youngest. Something I have never, 
in my life seen. Something that has not been evidenced in the history of polling going back to the 1930s when Gallup even you know, started the concept of accredited polling. We have something historic that's happening right now. From the bottom up with the younger voters waking up, opening their eyes, realizing the Fauciest of the world have been wrong, realizing that mandates do not equal freedom, realizing that the inflation is hurting them the most and that these supply chain issues hurt them the most. All the issues associated with our, our daily struggles for freedom anymore tends to nail them the hardest. There are some generational opportunities in front of us right now. And so I'm going to walk you through those, including the fact that in most states that Joe Biden won last year, he's significantly underwater in real time. There is an opportunity in all but a handful of states in real time. And that takes me to what we're going to cover in the third hour, which gets back to the classroom. This is something that Levin for years has been pressing on. When I've had the opportunity on this show and it's been appropriate, I've discussed as well. Winning back the classrooms and how critical this truly is, more critical than race theory, is the awareness of what's going on in the classroom. And that's happening because that's a huge part of what this movement is all about, right? So I'm going to walk you through all that over the next few hours. The news gets better from here. I'm Brian Mudd, in for the great one. Mud Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. It's okay. I don't know what happened there either. <laughs> I mean, certainly inspires confidence, doesn't it? So yeah, Biden, after he's wheeled out today to uh, go mumble, mumble boosters. And by the way, yeah, I mean, and we have an opportunity to restrict travel here. So we're going to start doing that because that's a natural first reaction. But yeah, talking about inflation, this, of course, being Black Friday as well. And probably a, a chief concern of yours as you're out on the road paying twice what you were a year ago for gas, paying more for everything you buy, no end in sight, despite you know the BSA transitory. I remember earlier this year with all the you 
you know, Biden economists, they look down their nose at, at us regular people. They think they're smarter because they say, transitory. And so tra- the, the inflation is so temporary. We won't even say it's temporary because we're smarter than you. It's transitory. So now even the, the, the transitory nimwits are admitting, yeah, you know, it's, it's going to be bad for a while. So now you have Biden coming out and go, <laughs> good. It's going to be good, yeah. Uh, we've got a plan, which really inspires confidence. We'll talk more about that a little bit later. But, you know, as I open, of course, the, the big story of the day is something we're all going to have to be dealing with. But some of us with more freedom than others as we approach the potential most dangerous variant yet. Omicron. Message from the free state of Florida. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. And my message starts with Freedom Works. I'm not talking about the organization, which is a great organization, does good work. I'm talking about just generally Freedom Works. Five consecutive weeks. Five consecutive weeks. That's how many weeks in a row Ford has had the fewest population-adjusted cases of COVID-19 in the country. And incidentally, which states are now leading the country in infections? Oh, look at this. Happens to be blue states led by lockdown and mandate-oriented governors. Michigan checking in with about 85 cases per 100,000 in population. Followed by Minnesota checking in at about 77. So how many cases is Florida averaging? Oh, 6.7. For 100,000 people. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. You are about 13 times more likely to come across the virus in Michigan than you are in the free state of Florida. Let me make about that one. Freedom works. Talk more a bit about it. Get to your calls as well. Would like to hear from you. 877-381-3811. I am Brian Mudd. In for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark doesn't suffer fools well. So, if you're a fool, don't call 877-381-3811. The statement from the president hits three key points. First, it says, for those Americans who are fully vaccinated against severe COVID illness, fortunately for the vast majority of adults, the best way to strengthen your protection is to get a booster shot as soon as you're eligible. Second, for those not yet fully vaccinated, the president is urging people to get vaccinated today, saying this includes both children and adults. He also calls on the world community to make sure that people are getting their vaccines easily. He called on the World Trade Organization's ministerial meeting to waive intellectual property protections for COVID vaccinations because the news about the new variant is making clearer than ever that the pandemic will not end until global vaccines are a reality. So if you're just kind of wrapping up your Thanksgiving time with your family, you've hit the road again, heading back home, and you're like, okay, what's going on in the news and everything else? That was a pretty good rundown of it. Jackie Heinrich, Fox News, who ended up nailing it. Earlier in the hour, we played President Biden, who was clear as ever. He went mumble, mumble boosters. Uh, So, yeah, I thought having Jackie actually explain what the heck's happened today with Omicron. 
in our, our brand new variant, our variant of concern, according to the World Health Organization, they designated that earlier this afternoon, has potentially 100 variants of its own. Anyway, that's that's where we stand, what Jackie was just talking about. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. And uh, before the bottom of the hour news, I was talking about freedom working. Because here's what we're up against in real time. What we're up against, you're going to have the Fauciists look to lock down again, right? You already had Biden join you know, some of the other countries saying, yeah, travel restrictions. Because there's a really good chance that's all going to work, right? We've already seen the lockdowns work, of course. That's why the, the virus is gone in all the blue states. Oh, wait, that's right. As I was just depicting, blue states actually have the highest population-adjusted COVID-19 cases in the country right now. Quick refresh. Michigan, checking in at just about 85 cases per 100,000 population. Minnesota, about 77 per 100,000. And here in the free state of Florida, for the fifth consecutive week, we have the fewest population-adjusted cases in the country at fewer than seven per 100,000 in population. So you're anywhere about 11 to... 13 times more likely to come across the virus in good old lockdown, mandate-oriented blue states like Minnesota and Michigan. There's also something else that's instructive here, and it's why it's important to be armed with information about what does and doesn't work during this pandemic. So the free state of Florida happens to be 19th in overall vaccination rate, okay? That means that 18 states, which are more highly vaccinated for COVID-19 than Florida, have higher cases, far higher cases. So here we are. We got this new South African variant. We're being conditioned. We'll be the most contagious yet. We'll likely render the existing vaccines even less effective. But still, you've got to get them and you got to get boosted. Well, we figure out if they work. And you begin to, to take a look at some of the other principles in play, starting with your job. Think about this for a moment. I just brought you the information about how few cases of COVID-19 Florida has and has had for five weeks. 18 states, higher vaccination rates with far higher case counts than the state of Florida. How could Biden or any official ever justify the forced firing of anyone who's not been vaccinated for COVID-19? Aren't we supposed to follow the science and follow the facts? What are the facts that I just brought you? I mean, yes, I realize it's an inconvenient truth, as the only advice we've heard from fearless leader Biden today is mumble, mumble boosters. So here's the deal. And I say this as someone who is fully vaccinated. Vaccines are clearly not the way out of the pandemic. Pragmatism, pragmatism is. And as usual, freedom works. Or as my beloved governor of the free state of Florida, Ron DeSantis, would say, freedom over Fauciism, which is the, the sect of communism that Joe Biden and company seem to adhere to. Go to the phones. We got Matt in Atlantic City. Matt, happy Thanksgiving. Hope you had a wonderful time, and welcome to the show. Same to you, sir. Uh, good, good evening. Uh, how's everything with you? Good? You have a, other than the traffic, you're all right, right? I, I am I am more blessed than I deserve to be, so yes, and I, I do truly appreciate it, and, and thanks for the well wishes as well. 
Well, you just you just hit the nail on the head. You just said, mumble, mumble, booster. Mumble, mumble, booster. What do I got to get a booster every three months now? What am I, a pincushion? Come on, Joe. Get with it. Now, isn't it funny that he just met with Chi on a Zoom call, but he met with him. He never, ever even broached the subject. Wouldn't you think that important to broach the subject of the virus? He never even brought it up. Never even brought it up. Now look what's happening. We got another uh, a strain. Come on, Joe. I mean, this guy cannot be our president no more. I'm sorry. Well, yes, and elections have consequences. And we see that more clearly than than at any point, uh, I, I think, in a couple of generations at a minimum. So a couple pieces that will come together. And I'm going to provide some of the optimism about how many people really are waking up to the outrageousness of this administration. I will get to that coming up in the second hour about COVID origins, to your point. So here you have, you know, Joe Biden recently having this multi-hour conversation with Xi Jinping of China. And yeah, remarkably, in the middle of the pandemic still, COVID origins does not come up. And we realize why in, in multiple respects. For similar reasons as to why somebody takes a look at Hunter Biden's artwork and goes, yeah, you know, I mean, there's no better use of $500,000 legitimately in this world than, you know, what, what Hunter's working on over there, right? I mean, for those same kind of reasons, we understand why Joe Biden does not bring up COVID origins before Xi Jinping in China. We understand that because the religion that is Fauciism, of which Joe Biden adheres to, because remember, the only thing that's happened with, with Fauci is that he's been promoted under this administration. So, you know, he goes from NIH director to the top medical advisor in the country. Well, I mean, because he's done such a phenomenal job up to this point. So we're all in on, on the Fauciism. And, of course, what is Fauciism? Well, if you get to COVID origins, get, guess what you get to? You get to Fauci or, origins, right, as Rand Paul has so successfully done in Senate hearings up to this point. To expose COVID origins in a legitimate way would be to arrive at the realization that there's at least an even money chance that you and I worked our butts off, paid our taxes, government took that tax money, and via the National Institutes of Health, Team Fouch, several years ago, said, yeah, what we need to be working on is some of what we will no longer call gain-of-function research to kind of see how some of these viruses go from, you know, bats to, to people. I mean, yeah, it's super risky, but just imagine, you know, we can learn so much here, and it's worth the risk. That's where actually the Fauci's words. So, yes, to expose COVID origins is to expose the corruption of Fauciism, of which it is the governance of this country, which is why it will not happen under this administration. And also, secondarily, the fact that, yeah, you got Hunter. And, you know, Hunter, you know, $500,000 pieces of art because that's legitimate and has nothing to do with being compromised by foreign governments either. Let's go to Dom. Dom in Tampa. Welcome to the show. And, and hey, congratulations. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you living in the free state of Florida. Yeah, I love DeSantis. He's outstanding. Doc, quiet. I can't say enough good things about this guy. 
Hartford Yale grad ex-military didn't get any better than that. He sees the real deal. Amen. Um, I'm hearing some rumors uh, that uh, Pelosi's bought a $7.5 million mansion down there in Naples. We hearing anything about that, or is that something you already covered? Yeah, it, it's fake news. Um, that had been out there for a few days now. Um, there had been a rumor about Naples, and there had been a, ru- a rumor about Jupiter Island, which is on the other side of the state, uh, for folks who may not be familiar, just a little bit north of where I am in West Palm. And, and uh, that's all fake news. Uh, it is uh, the real estate agent in, involved in transactions, uh, nothing doing there, and there was was no no truth to it. So, I mean, that would have been the greatest irony running, but uh, apparently fake news, and there will be no Pelosi in Florida, at least for now. Yeah, uh, <laughs> well, you know, my, my wife brought up a good point earlier today when we were talking about this, and, and she said, you know, she would be, be she'd be too good for for South Florida, and she would be more, more of a Hamptons uh, kind of person anyway, so she could go hang out with the Obamas and the like, so... Uh, anyway, so yeah, I appreciate yeah. it, Dom, and I and, uh, hope you have a, a wonderful rest of your Thanksgiving weekend and continue to enjoy our wonderful governor. So, about that and freedom working, okay? You take a look at what policies have led to what outcomes during the course of this pandemic as our government is going to begin to do what? Well, first, the travel restrictions. Joe Biden's already said that. What comes next? And this becomes the question in your particular state. So what is it that's actually worked during the course of the... Have have the lockdowns worked? No. Have vaccine mandates worked? No. Right? Just talked about this. Florida. Fewest population adjusted cases in the country. Our vaccination rate is 19th. You have 18 states... More vaccination than us, all with many more. And in most cases, multiples more COVID-19 cases. So what's going on there, right? And this is where, from a policy standpoint, and speaking about Ron DeSantis, his pandemic policies have saved lives. You know, it's bad news for all the death Santis people out there. You know, you lied because many fewer Floridians have died prematurely. Here's one more for you. Despite Florida having the country's largest senior population, thus being among the oldest states in the country, get this, Florida's life expectancy during the pandemic far exceeds the national average. How do you how do you reconcile that one? 19th in vaccination rate. Five weeks running, fewest COVID-19 cases in the country. And since the onset of the pandemic, with the most vulnerable population to COVID-19 in the country, Florida's life expectancy has exceeded the national average? Yeah, there's something more to that. And about the more to that, I'll bring it up to you next. I'm Brian Mudd, in for the great one. Mud Lovin'.
Ukraine, we support the Ukraine. DeSantis, when he was uh, wheeled out and then tuck it earlier today because his staffer said, hey, Joe, you got to say something about the virus. And he went, right, mumble, mumble, boosters. He also took on a couple other topics. And, you know, we had a, a caller in the previous segment who said, hey, you know, he talked to, to Xi Jinping recently and you know, COVID origins never came up with, with China. And we, we know why that was. And then you, the Ukraine. Here's where I take him at face value. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. I do take uh, Biden at face value when he's talking about really caring about the Ukraine. I mean, come on. How many people have had, how many Americans ever have had the kind of personal family interest that the Bidens have had in the Ukraine? I mean, seriously. I mean... Again, among the most amazing modern artists, you just say, if you got $500,000, you don't know where to go. I mean, come on, it's it's Hunter Biden's art. That's why he Biden would, would care about the Ukraine. I mean, because he is, as such, Hunter is, a world-renowned oil expert. And I'm not talking about the oils in this particular case. You know, like oil work for his painting. No, I'm talking about, of course, you know, actual oil. Because, of course, you know, Hunter Biden, Ford of Burisma. Yeah, but nothing to see there. But I do believe there's ample evidence to show that Hunter Biden has a vested interest in oil works in the Ukraine. And thus, Joe will, will care. All right. Now, a couple things about the whole Omicron, as we are now dealing with our our new variant of concern designated earlier today by the World Health Organization. One of the things I was was pointing out is that my state, the free state of Florida, fewest COVID-19 cases adjusted for population in the country for five consecutive weeks now. We do not have the highest vaccination. We are above average. Our vax rate is 19th nationally. So it's above average. But still, we have 18 states that have far higher cases of COVID-19 right now, often many multiples more, than the state of Florida, despite Florida having a lower vax rate. Florida has the largest senior population in the country, so the most vulnerable population. And yet, according to... To the World Health Organization, if you go back to the onset of the pandemic, Florida's life expectancy far exceeds the national average. Now, while breaking down data to analyze kind of how this all came to be, there's one data point that jumped out at me from the WHO's work. Mental health. Mental health. You know, it's something that a lot of people on the left like to pay rhetorical homage to, but seldom meaningfully address. And that's really been evident during the pandemic. So consider, according to the World Health Organization, those who suffer from depression are 1.8 times more likely to die prematurely. Now, you compare the approach of Florida to that of many other states, most really during the pandemic, which has been, we're free. We don't lock down. The governor's taken action to try to prevent local governments that want to lock down from doing so. And we've largely been free. And we have a far better life expectancy with the most vulnerable population. See, one thing about the virus since the onset of the pandemic, 
You know what the biggest killers are? Ain't COVID. Now, your top killer is still heart disease. Second biggest killer is still cancer. Then you get COVID. And then you take a look at the impact of depression. That's why it's important not to let Joe Biden's attempt at a coming dark winter to happen. To why we have to use informationally the facts and keep the heat on our local politicians. Hey, programming notes, Life, Liberty, Levin, this Sunday, 8 Eastern, Part 1, Mark Levin's one-on-one with President Trump. Be right back. Brian Mudd in for the great one. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. I've decided that we're going to be cautious, make sure there's no travel to and from South Africa and six other countries in that region. And um, except for American citizens who are able to come back. I do have some good news. No indication that Joe Biden has Omicron. He just is Joe. That's why he sounds so bad. I mean, seriously, take a a listen to this guy. I mean, he was in rare form today, even for Joe. Really do wonder what happened before he was wheeled out in Nantucket and you know, the, the staff said, hey, go something, say something about the variants. Plus, I mean, you can get excited because we're going to get a issue new travel restrictions. And you can you know talk about locking people down and mandating vaccines again. And, and, and that was his inspired approach today in Nantucket. As the president came out to advise that he was restricting travel. Which is interesting because even in what he said there. He said South Africa and six other countries. I Somewhere along the way, it turned out to be eight in total. So, you know, uh, old Joe, not sure if, who knows? You know, maybe it was, uh, what do you think, Susan Rice, who went ahead and added in another country, or I don't know. Nothing to worry about, nothing to see there. Our fearless leader has the new variant of concern under control. Hey there, Brian Mudd. In for the great one, Mark Levin. Hope you and your family had a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend up to this point. You uh, may follow me at Brian Mud Radio on Twitter, on Parlor, and on Getter. The host of the Morning Rush, WJNO in West Palm Beach, Brian Mud Show, WIOD in Miami. It is truly an honor and a pleasure every opportunity I have to be here with you on Mark Levin's show. And I'm excited to share what I'm going to be sharing with you this hour. If you've heard me or have come across my work over the course of time, something you have likely heard from me, my saying that there are two sides to stories and one set of facts. So one of the things I always do is informationally get to the facts. I formulate my opinions based upon them, and I'm constantly researching as a result. And... While you take a look at political movements, and it is a moving target, and the true facts are elections, which, of course, we had and showed considerable movement earlier this month, there are other indications 
using history as a guide about what could be happening in real time. And what I can tell you is that something huge is happening here. You know, one of the great frustrations by people who understand things in life is how in the world somebody ever could have voted for Joe Biden as president of the United States. And secondarily, how there could still be people in this world that defend him. Now, there's no mistaking that there are large swaths of the population that still are in that place. But I'm here to tell you, not only is most of the country not in that place, which based upon his overall approval ratings for quite some time, you knew. But I got one more for you. Did you know that in the overwhelming majority of the states that Joe Biden won, the majority of people think the way that you do now? The overwhelming majority. Okay, so I've researched President Biden's approval rating by state. And on one hand, the result's not terribly surprising to me. Because his approval rating is underwater. In 17 states he won last year. I will repeat, because this is a big deal in and of itself. He's underwater. Net disapproval. More people that disapprove of his performance than approve of his performance in 17 of the states that he won last year. That is a huge number. But the reason I say I wasn't terribly surprised, because when you have a national approval rating hovering around 40%, that's necessarily going to be the case, right? That a bunch of states that you won saying, whoa, this is not what we were banking on here. But the real eye-opener, the real eye-opener is what is driving it. Where his approval ratings are worst. Not in geography, but rather demographics. So for as long as I've studied politics, there's been one consistent truism. The youngest voters are those most likely to support Democrats. Now, typically, it takes family formation, career development, paying taxes to open the eyes of the previously idealistic kids, right? I mean, this has long been a general truism that kids start out being the most liberal they're going to be straight out of school realize the real world is different than what they had been conditioned to believe, start waking up, have families, and go, yeah, you know, uh, I, I don't really think I, I like paying you know, 40% of what I bring into the federal government and start paying attention to what is happening within their, their own community. They take a look at property taxes and go, and then hold on. And then my, my state, I have to pay income taxes to them too, and I got to pay all these property taxes and you know, sales tax, right? It tends to change the perception. Well, this is happening like we haven't seen before. So I had never seen this until now. And this is what is huge that's happening here. President Joe Biden's approval ratings are now worst youngest worst youngest okay 
among voters 18 to 34. By the way, the firm that you can go to to check out, there is but one online accredited polling firm that is ongoing and their results. It's called Civics. And you can go check out all the information state by state on various issues. Highly instructive. So among voters 18 to 34, Joe Biden's national approval rating stands at 31 percent. 31 percent with the youngest voters. By far the lowest of any age range. And I'm sure there's more than just one reason for such disapproval by the youngest voters. If you go back and really take a look at the data, he's been underwater with voters under the age of 34 since early June. But you might imagine that the real falling out that's happened here of late, that's been driven by the youngest voters, these vaccine mandates. I do think they play a meaningful role here. You know, vaccination rates are our lowest where? They're lowest youngest. And it stands to reason that those who've opted not to obtain a, a vaccine for their own health reasons and considerations up to now don't take kindly to being threatened with their careers when they're just starting to make their way in the world and take care of their family, grow a family. And so what actually is happening here is a generational opportunity. It's a generational opportunity. And it's a generational opportunity for Republicans if they get this right. You know, I, I'm i the real-life walking, talking Alex B. Keaton. You know, you take a look at the 80s, and, and loving Reagan was a thing. It was a thing for millions in my generation. And you know, he is the primary reason that those of us that were products of the 80s, the Gen Xers, tend to be more conservative than boomers or millennials. And I'll give you an idea. I grew up um, during this window of time, 92 election, in suburban Atlanta. Lived in what was then Newt Gingrich's district. Okay, the 92 election. Our school, big school, 98% of the students in the you know mock election, 98 in my school, suburban Atlanta, voted for Bush over Clinton. Because we we're young and naive, it was like a genuine shock to us when Clinton, Clinton won that election, right? So anyway, my point is this. It's the kind of generational opportunity in front of Republicans right now. We've talked over the course of time about how Biden's performance is the worst of any president since Jimmy Carter. I mean, really, he, he he's already worse than what we saw at the Carter. But he's the cop at this point, right? And you start taking a look at the rest of this data. And in the context of it being darkest before dawn, it took Jimmy Carter to get us what? Ronald Reagan, right? So here we are. The generational opportunity for Republicans, if they can emulate the principles of Ronald Reagan, of which the great one Mark Levin served in his administration, you you start with freedom and liberty. The biggest teachable moment in the here and now, it's not even about taxes or welfare 
or free puppies and Biden bucks and goodies that are anything but free. It's about freedom itself. Freedom itself. Americans inherently want it. The big lie about the left and the Democrat Party generally is that they're quote-unquote liberal, right? Which is often confused by kids and young adults to equal liberty. So they're often taught or they think that's the way to go. It's all part of the marketing scam in which they'll refer to themselves as democratic as opposed to Democrats, right? It's a ruse to confuse immigrants, to confuse people coming of age who aren't really politically aware and just want to support the democratic process and and be free and be liberal. The Republican Party with good leadership has historically been the party of freedom, of liberty, of personal choice. The Democrats are the party of dictates, mandates, and censorship. And the important thing, this is now being realized by the youngest voters in the country. There is a generational opportunity right now. And there's a need for Reagan conservatives leading the party. That's what has to happen from here. Continue the conversation next. I'm Brian Mudd, and for the great one. Mudd, love in. our vets that are living on the streets what about our people our own citizens that have to live on the streets in san francisco and new york and all over the place they get nothing yeah but we do give uh those migrants almost all of which turn out to be illegal aliens we we will give them money right your hard-earned tax dollars just like i gave our hard-earned tax dollars to the wuhan lab to Figure out what might happen if we tested viruses going from bats to people. Because, you know, it would be kind of exciting if it, if we figured out what happened there. You know, it was Fouch back in 2014. Made known. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. Hope you and your family are having a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend. Despite Joe Biden being president of the United States. Despite the gas that you're paying on your way to and from your family this Thanksgiving, despite what you're having to pay for everything associated with Thanksgiving. Yeah, I mean, basically just what we all live through each and every day. And now, with the joys that will be Omicron, the new variant of concern, brought to you by the World Health Organization, which, let's not forget, helped China cover up COVID-19 in the very beginning. Never forget uh, that that wonderful Piece of information they tweeted out. Remember that the World Health Organization, back January, was it 20th of 2020, when when they said, hey, yeah, no, this whole virus thing, the SARS-CoV-2 over here in in Wuhan, China, no, no, it's not even communicable. Not even, I mean, nothing. Nothing being transferred from people. I mean, bats to people, yeah, maybe, but not people to people. And it had been happening for months. And the WHO's response, coloring the pandemic response of countries around the world at that point. So let's not forget the WHO's role in all of this as well. But we're talking about some optimism during the course of this hour. The first segment, 
this hour, I brought you the information that, yeah, it's not just that Joe Biden's approval ratings are in the tank. It's that for the first time on record, his approval ratings, and this is true of any Democrat president, his approval ratings are actually lowest with the youngest voters. Okay, you ready for this? Joe Biden's average approval rating, this is nationally now, voters 18 to 34 stands at 31%. 31%. Voters between the ages of 35 to 49 bounces up to 38%. 50 to 64, up another touch to 39 Those over the age of 65, Biden's approval rating at 42% right now. So you see that it gets higher, older, which is the inverse, again, of what we have historically seen, where typically those that are older are the most conservative. Those that are youngest are the most liberal. But are we seeing a renaissance to where young adults are realizing that What the Democrats are is anything but liberal. They are anything but classically liberal. They are anything but the Berkeley liberals of the 60s that demanded freedom of expression. Because the 2021 Democrats demand censorship. Rather than having freedom of choice to do with one's body what one feels is appropriate, hold on, I've got to be injected with whatever you tell me I've got to be injected with? And if I I don't do that, then I lose my career? There's an awakening that's happening here. The generational opportunity that's taking place. We'll get to some of your calls coming up here. By the way, American Marxism. You want to know what this is all about? Mark Levin wrote the book on it. Get your copy. You don't have it already. I mean, come on. All the cool people do. American Marxism, a great gift for the holidays. You can pick it up on Amazon. Brian Mudd in for the great one. Mark Levin. Mark Levin, radio's hell-raising intellectual. Call now, 877-381-3811. That's why China is threatening Taiwan. That's why Russia is threatening Ukraine and other parts of Eastern Europe, because the world doesn't uh, respect us. They don't fear us, uh, because this president has never shown a spine to stand up to anybody. At uh, South Florida Congressman Carlos Jimenez, and isn't that the truth? And, uh, well, this would be the reason why, for example, you would have Biden on the horn for hours with Xi Jinping, not get into COVID origins. It might be why we would screw the American people by inhibiting energy supply within the United States while turning on the spigots for Russia to be able to reap the benefits of energizing Europe. Now, it's fascinating, and and I'm back as well, the release of the strategic oil reserve. We came from having complete self-sufficiency under the Trump administration with energy to where now we've got to release emergency supplies just to get by anymore in the era that is this this Biden administration. 
But it's been noticed. So one of the most optimistic factoids I've come across during the course of, of my career has been what's happening in real time. A generational opportunity. A generational opportunity. You take a look at Joe Biden's approval ratings. If you're just joining us, they are lowest with those that are youngest. His approval rating sucks everywhere. His highest average approval rating right now is 42%, and that's among seniors. By the time you take a look at the youngest voters, those between the ages of 18 and 34, it's down to 31%. There are 17 states that Joe Biden won last year where he now has net disapproval. Okay, so people are going, hold on. This sucks. Paying while I'm paying for gas. Having to deal with the virus and yet another variant. Sucks. Being told that if I only get my vaccine and if I only get another dose and if I only get the booster, this thing goes away. And then it doesn't. That sucks. If I'm told that if I don't get a vaccine, I lose my career. Yeah, pretty well sucks. And it certainly hasn't been too good being locked down, right? So people waking up in real time. And I've got a bit more on this as we take a look at the states. I'm going to break out a bit more in the states. First, let's go to the phones. The ever-prescient Jimmy in Brooklyn. Jimmy, welcome to the show. That's good news. I just hope it's as true as it sounds. Let me real quickly here. We know now, the American masses know we are in serious danger. The problem is, if everybody keeps blaming this all on Biden, eventually Biden is gone. But the movement that was built over decades will still be here. It's like when the KGB changes the acronym. They went through five... Yeah, Jimmy, think we yeah, I think we might have lost you there. But you made your point very efficiently, uh, nonetheless. So here is what you bring up that is absolutely true, and it's part of my message. Just because eyes have suddenly begun to open with people that just a year ago looked at Joe Biden and said, Yeah, give me that guy. It doesn't mean they become conservatives, right? You have to bring people around based upon information and what's in their best interest. Again, I mean, how screwed did this country look entering 1980 under Jimmy Carter? Interest rates, 18%. The Iran hostage crisis, no credibility. You had Jimmy Carter's non-pandemic version of a dark winter where We got too much consuming going on here. What you got to do is actually just buy less stuff. By the way, is that not what you're being told right now by this administration? With all the supply in it, well, if you you just don't buy so much stuff. Because that's certainly what this country was built upon is, you know, reining things back in. Do too much consuming here. You know, we don't, we, we can't handle an economy that's doing too well. So anyway, point is this. It it isn't as though everybody who said, yeah, give me Jimmy Carter, necessarily became a conservative overnight. But what did happen 
is that when Ronald Reagan arrived on the scene, given the opportunity, in part because of the abject failure that Captain Peanut was, what happened? You had a generation, happened to be my generation, the Gen Xers, a generation of kids grew up in the 80s and went, this is good. This makes a lot of sense. And they rejected the values of the left on principle. That's the opportunity here. And that's why it's our job to educate and to take the opportunity. And part of the education is, of course, by bringing about good candidates. We have to have, as we're heading into a midterm election cycle, candidates that will bring about Reagan-style values. That will lead not just to win an election, because your point, Jimmy, is well taken. If you go back just four years ago, what did we have? Donald Trump as president of the United States and Republicans in control of Congress. And what ultimately did that get us? Yes, it worked on certain issues for a window of time. But what it didn't do was stop the movement by the left that you're talking about. And they have been playing the generational game. Let's not forget, Marxism, it goes back a little ways. Karl Marx, been gone for a long time, right? And certainly when you take a look at the major catalyst of the modern Marxist movement, fingerprints all over the Linskyites of the 60s, rules for radicals. Again, remember, if you don't have Mark Levin's book, American Marxism, you absolutely should. This would be a good gift for someone who's still trying to figure it out. It's a little bit younger, as an aside. But that is what has to, and now it's our job. Because it's not, okay, Biden sucks, therefore I'm a Reagan conservative. You have to have politicians that lead like Reagan did. The policy has to be right. Otherwise, you're right. All you're doing is winning an election and slowing down the inevitable. And uh, that, that is why this has to be bigger than just winning elections. Let's go to Jan in Canada, north of the border. Jan, welcome to the show. Thank you. I would like to make a point. I've been listening to the radio for most of the day, and I know that there's another, um, you know, COVID is spreading, um, another virulent uh, factor coming towards us. They want to make sure that we can be safe. They want us to be, uh, we have to be uh taking our vaccine or our medication. And I think it's something to do with the fact that Christmas is coming. So everybody has to be miserable. We can't go traveling to see our friends, our families. We just have to be miserable. And then Joe Biden is going to say, well, we had to do this because it's for the safety of everybody. It's, you know, the holidays playing into this, and I appreciate the call, Jan. Um, The holidays playing into policy is a very real thing. I'm going to give you the one easiest example. So we have these anti-American Biden administration vaccine mandates, right? The OSHA rule that thankfully, as of this moment, has been stated in federal court, thus is not legal. But of course, the Biden administration is fighting that, hoping that in the end, they will find a way to win on this unconstitutional measure in the courts. And as of January 4th, if you don't have the COVID, one of the COVID vaccines, then you're fired. 
Think about this for a moment. If this really was about a public health crisis, and if the Biden administration had credibility on what they say, I mean, this is so important that you should not even work. You have no business having a job if you don't have a COVID-19 vaccine. That's how serious this crisis is, right? Big deal, right? Well, but we can wait until after the holidays. You know, January 4th was not by accident. Because if we have millions of Americans that go missing in the workforce like that, oh, you think the supply chain's bad now? What the heck's going to happen then? You think you can't find what you want in the store? What's going to happen then? You think when you find something in the store and you're paying double what you were this time last year, what do you think happens then? Then how happy during the holidays do you think people are about all of that? I hear your point. I believe... I believe that the holidays are a huge consideration for this administration. But I think the extent to which they're trying to make us miserable is actually unintentional. I think in their in the Biden administration's own warped mind, they're doing what they can to try to mitigate the circumstances until after the holidays, else the vaccine mandate would be in place even sooner. Just a little food for thought there. Let's go to Donnie in Memphis. Donnie, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking my call. You know, appreciate listening. There's three hundred. There's three hundred thirty million people living in this country. Another twenty million illegal. We've lost seven hundred thousand people. They told us we were going to die at a rate between two and seven percent. And that's less than two-tenths of one percent. They put our economy in a tailspin to try to control us over two-tenths of one percent. That doesn't make a lick of sense. Think about what I'm saying. No, you bring a look. You bring up all kinds of uh, you know rational thoughts when you, you mention what you're talking about here. I mean, I'll just give you a dose of perspective for a second. You think about how the pandemic has dominated our lives over the past couple of years. What you would think that uh, half the country's had it at this point, right? You know, a lot of people have. You know that about 14.5% of the legal population, about 14.5% of the legal population has had it. 14.5%. I mean, it's a large number of people, but I mean, we, we stopped the lives in many respects for 100% of the population. For about 14.5% that, that have received it, for something that has turned out to be not the number one killer, not the number two killer, but the number three killer over this window of time. Again, heart disease, so far bigger killer than COVID during the pandemic. Ditto cancer. And it's not to minimize those who have been lost with it. It's not to minimize the the potential severe impacts of it. And obviously, we don't know what the story will end up being with this new variant of concern, Omicron. But your point is right, and it gets back into what I was talking about in the first hour, which is the free state of Florida. Pragmatism wins. Pragmatism and freedom wins. Now, my state, the free state of Florida, we, for five consecutive weeks, have had the fewest COVID-19 cases in the country while we are open, while we are free, while we don't have mass mandates, while we, we don't have vaccine mandates that are even legal in our state. And so you, you, you take a look and go, well, that's interesting. There are 18 states that have higher vaccination rates than the state of Florida. 
that have far more cases than us. Well, why is that? Florida has the largest senior population in the country, the most vulnerable to this virus. And yet the average life expectancy of a Floridian is well above the national average during the pandemic. So why is that? Again, pragmatism, when you put all the facts in perspective, clearly illustrate uprooting the lives of everybody in the population for something that has really had an, a, a vastly negative impact on the overwhelming minority is nothing but absurdity. And that's why we don't do it here. And it works. And it works. Let's go to Charles right here in South Florida, Fort Lauderdale. Charles, welcome to the show. Hi there. Hold on. Let me take you off speakerphone. Okay. Um, you were talking about Biden's poll numbers a few minutes ago and the unexpectedly uh, low polling among youth. And I think you misinterpret that. I think there's a huge part of that youth that is unhappy that the Biden administration hasn't achieved enough leftist things. They haven't forgiven their student loans. They haven't stopped fossil fuels from being used. Uh, they're just, they haven't passed their voter rights laws. I think there's a huge amount of disappointment among the youth that you have kind of a horseshoe. You've got a few people there who are disappointed and moving a little bit more conservative, but you've got a huge percentage in those younger groups who are unhappy that not, not enough leftist things have been accomplished yet. True. That is an excellent point. Appreciate the call, Charles. You're right. Um, you take a look at the data, though, and y- you start playing the averages. You know, just like the average person given the opportunity is not going to go rob an Apple store. But you take a look at what happened in California yesterday. Yet again, lawless day like California, you do have 80 young people that get together and go rob the place because they know they can it, when you talk about those that are the, like the AOC wing, they go, he just hasn't been hard left enough. It's the minority of the youth vote. There is a segment, and it's not insignificant, but the number one issue against the Biden administration with those voters 18 to 34 is actually the vaccine mandate. They don't like being told what to do. They don't like these high prices, and they don't like the idea of being fired if they don't get a vaccine. So there is more to that story. Brian Mudd in for the great one. Mud Lovin. We never had homeless like we do now. We never had some of the problems that we do now. You know, we used to have a police force that was so into it, they just weren't allowed to do their job. Now a lot of our our great police are leaving. As President Trump with Stuart Varney earlier today, Varney and Company, Fox Business, talking about New York City police in particular, and you take a look at it, you know, reference the looting, the lawlessness that was on display again at an Apple store in Northern California yesterday. You get 80 young thugs that go in there and just loot the place, right? I mean, just nuts what goes on anymore, the brazenness. Well, what happened yesterday? Penn Station, you have a 36-year-old get stabbed. What is it? It was like 6 o'clock in the afternoon. Just get stabbed. Dies. I mean, what's happened because of the lawlessness that's been allowed to persist? Yeah, it is so critical what President Trump talks about there. And the damage of defund police, it's already happened. You know, the, the 
Catalyst has turned on that. Even a lot of the defund cities have started to go the other way, realizing how absurd it is. And obviously, Minnesota, Minneapolis, where the whole defund movement started, it has, at least for now, ended. The voters in that city said, no, we're not going to defund the police. The problem is the damage in so many respects has already been done. It's another reason why it's often the elections that happen closest to you that have the biggest impact on your daily life. And that starts, in so many cases, with education, the school boards, where a lot of this current movement is originating from. We're going to get into that, talk about education and the role in this path forward next. I'm Brian Mudd, and for the great one, Mark Levin. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. A lot of the mandates have caused the supply chain problem. Uh, in that way, I guess you could say that uh, you know, what, what's happening is people are quitting their jobs all over the place. Yeah, you want to know what the impact has been? Already? Already as a result of the vaccine mandates? And be mindful that the Biden administration OSHA rule vaccine mandate is unconstitutional. As of right now, stayed in federal court, deemed to be unconstitutional, pending additional legal review. Yet just the threat of it, along with sellout companies taking the opportunity to force the hands of of their employees. You know what the impact has been? 5% of the workforce. We've wa- we have lost 5% of the workforce specific to vaccine mandates. Now, let me ask you, how stupid is that? Really? How bright is it that we blow out 5% of the workforce over a vaccine mandate? Which, if vaccinations are to be as effective... As we were originally instructed, who would care if you're the you're vaccinated in the workplace? And here's the brilliant of all brilliant policies. How many remote workers, people that never come in contact with other employees anymore, how many of them have been fired over vaccine mandates? I mean, that really shows you the height of absurdity and stupidity, and that's happened. So, yeah, we have willfully blown out 5% of the American workforce. Even before we get to a January 4th Biden administration force firing. You talking about stuck on stupid. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. Host the Morning Rush. WJNO in West Palm Beach. The Brian Mudd Show, WIOD in Miami. Truly an honor and a pleasure. Anytime I have the opportunity to be here with you, do hope that you and your family have had a a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend thus far and safe travels. I saw plenty on the way back from my parents' house and and here to the station today uh, that was anything but safe. And uh, just 
No, again, it, not probably going to get there a whole lot quicker anyway. So, so be smarter than the people around you that you know voted for Biden. I mean, just remember again the the people. It, this is a real, real eye opener. Just think that there are people around you who took a look at Joe Biden and said, "I want that guy to be president of the United States." So, when you got the people on the road around you, you really need to be careful, especially around holiday time. All right. By the way, you can follow me, interact with me, at Brian Mudd Radio on Twitter, on Parlor, on Getter. Been talking in the first couple of hours. In the first hour, we talked a lot about the new variant, you know, Omicron, which is now supposed to be the most varietal of all the variants, potentially up to 100 variants associated with it. And uh, we, we now have Biden travel restrictions from eight countries that go into effect on Monday. He also did some some mumbling. That happened. Inspired lots of confidence in so doing. We talked about what's worked and what hasn't and how not to let absurdity win in your community again and in your state again. And I evidenced my points by my state, the free state of Florida which for five consecutive weeks in these states united has had the fewest population-adjusted cases in the country. Also, these states with the highest population-adjusted cases right now happen to be blue states, Michigan and Minnesota, where you are 11 to about 13 times more likely to catch COVID-19 than you are here in my free state of Florida. Also illustrating that there are 18 states with higher vaccination rates than Florida that have more cases, in many cases, multiples more cases in real time. And also taking a look at the senior population, the largest senior population of any state in the country in Florida. And yet, according to the World Health Organization, when you take a look at life expectancy during the pandemic, Florida's has been well above the national average. And and the point is this, as we get ready for uh, Biden's new dark winter, is that lockdowns don't work. It's been evidenced. The vaccines are not a panacea, even if they may be, at best, a tool in the toolkit. And we have other health considerations that need to be accounted for, starting with mental health. Something else we discussed in the first hour of the show. Second hour talked about a roadmap. And the roadmap included where Joe Biden is loathed the most. And he happens to be loathed the most with the youngest voters. For the first time in the point age, which goes back to the 1930s, you have a Democrat president who has the lowest approval rating with the youngest voters. Historically, the people tend to be as far left politically as they're going to be when they're younger. And then common sense hits them when they start a career and have a family and realize and what boobs they were and and how clueless so many of the uh, teachers and professors they were indoctrinated by really were. So that we actually have the greatest dissent with the youngest voters at 31% approval rating nationally among voters 18 and 34, it's an opportunity. It's a teachable moment. But it, it's not as though you're going to take young adults who otherwise had been conditioned to be lifelong Democrats 
and turn them into rock-solid conservatives. That has to happen by proof. It has to happen by good policy. Illustrated the point about how as bad as things were under Jimmy Carter, take a look at what happened with Ronald Reagan. And what happened in the 80s is you had the most conservative generation that we've had in recent generations, that being the Xers, the party of Reagan, or the generation of Reagan, I I should say. And that's what we need right now. We need candidates that reflect Reagan-esque values, that lead on policy that makes a difference in people's lives by allowing them to realize their own potential, by allowing them to prosper and thrive and have their families thrive as they would want, rather than mandates and censorship and career loss over things like the virus. This is all part of the the greater constructing conversation. Now, to that point, and this was referenced by a caller last hour, you have New Jersey and Virginia. We know how the elections went there. We know there was a lot of opportunity. And a lot was made about the suburbs and how much better you saw Republicans fare in the burbs than you did last year. And that's a big part of the story. But demographically, again, when you break down by age, there's another huge story. Those youngest voters, those between the ages of 18 and 34, they still broke for Democrats by an average of around 11 points. But the story was that it was only by about 11 points. That was about a 20-point turnaround among the youngest voters over just last year. And so the point is this. Already many have opened their eyes and decided to go the other way to see if it's going to be any better. But still... Even with very low approval, Biden and probably many other Democrats with similar policies within their state government, local government, what have you, you still had a majority that that did break for Democrats. But this is now where we finish the job. So education, central theme that the great one Mark Levin has talked about for as long as he's been doing this show. Something that's been a central theme of mine. You take a look at key moments in where we are today. You go back to 64 and the Supreme Court decision to strike down religion in the classroom. And then the 1980 incarnation of the Department of Education to see fit that that policy and federal policy generally made its way to local classrooms. And subsequent to the eradicating of God from classrooms, what happened? We saw a straight line you could draw between a rise in atheism, a rise in mental health issues among school-age children. By the time you had that first generation under the Department of Education reach early adulthood or late teens, as the case may be, in, in school, what do you have? You had Columbine, right? Now suddenly you have school shootings happening, which only got worse with time. So here we are, you know, in an era in which there is now record atheism, record mental health issues among young people. And one of the major catalysts with mental health health issues has also been this pandemic. They play in lockstep. The point is this. None of this happened overnight. The left has been playing the long game. The Marxists have been playing the long game. The current movement's been underway 
really since prior to the 60s, but in a real coordinated way since the 60s. We really lost the classroom once and for all, really around 1980. Now we're just waking up to what's been happening. But the important thing is it's part of the movement. It's part of the the wave that has been building. The awareness of what these school boards have been doing. The impact of local politicians that might be able to lock us down, shut our businesses down, and otherwise dictate terms of our life during this pandemic. This all is coming together. And who are those young parents of young school children? They're the young adults that I'm talking about here, right? So, you know, young mothers are not, generally speaking, the radicals that just think Joe Biden hasn't been liberal enough. Every now and then you get some. But what they really want is an opportunity for their kids, for their family. And then they heard some things like maybe they're racist and they know they're not racist. And that crystallizes around the next important point in education, understanding where the battle is being fought. Critical race theory has, of course, been an inflection point within this entire debate. And it is very much a thing. Critical race theory goes back many decades. The first published work, 1993. The actual book called Critical Race Theory, published in 2001. But what, by and large, has made its way into our schools, and in some cases our classrooms, has not been critical race theory by name. And that's the way that far too many are addressing this particular issue. The single greatest catalyst, though, you've got to be mindful of right now is this 1619 project. Of course, the work that goes back a few years ago, put forward by a New York Times writer, advanced by the Pulitzer Center as it won a Pulitzer Prize, which subsequently got it into our schools. And I'm going to pick up there and talk about where this part of the conversation needs to take place with our local school boards next. I'm Brian Mudd. And for the great one. Mark Lovin. Four weeks ago, Joe Biden said now uh, if we if we pass his, quote, build back better plan, another two trillion in spending, somehow that's going to help inflation. There is not a rational, sane person on the planet who believes that. Sure enough, Jim Jordan. Sure enough, not rational or sane. There's a lot that happens emanating from D.C. that is not rational or sane. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. But as much as that is the case in D.C., where clearly most Americans are not happy. So we see the record Poor performance by Joe Biden in the first year of her presidency playing out in front of us right now. As even in 17 states, he won last year. He's underwater. He has net disapproval right now. There's something else that is important close to home, of course, and it's where this movement is really emanating from. The school's. The moms, our parents generally, as Joe Biden's approval rating is worst youngest, we also have an awakening that has been a long time coming. 
It's the biggest issue we've had for a long time is these schools have been breeding grounds of Marxism. And we just weren't paying attention. Figure, hey, you know, kids seem to like the, the teacher and things seem to be going well. And you know, school board, I mean, who who even turns out for those elections? And then suddenly COVID hit and we start seeing what goes on in the classroom. People are like, what? And so critical race theory in particular. Give you an idea of, of how this battle is, is being fought by the Marxists at this point, in many cases. And I'll use my example of the state in Florida. So our, our Board of Education, the Deforted uh, Department Board of Education, they banned critical race theory this spring. Now, did that necessarily stop the tenets of critical race theory from being able to be taught in school? No. Did it even stop publications from being in classrooms? No. One of the ways, as part of taking back the classroom, this battle needs to be fought is understanding how it's being fought. The 1619 Project, born out of the tenets of critical race theory, won a Pulitzer Prize going back a few years ago. When it won the Pulitzer Prize, the Pulitzer Center paid to have the 1619 Project sent to 4,500 schools across the country. It is in schools clear across the country. And so we need to start asking for the 1619 Project by name. Is that in the classroom? Are they in the libraries? Is it being taught? Are there instructions, book reports? that are present with it. And as part of the greater awareness, we also need to have a realization about teachers. Approximately 80% of public school teachers are members of a teacher's union. A union that has fought to keep kids out of the classroom, force school mask mandates, and force the implementation of racist revision in history in the form of things like CRT. Doesn't necessarily mean that 80% of the part of the, are part of the problem, but they at least choose to pay to be part of the problem. We've got to be aware of that as well. Continue the conversation next. I'm Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin Show, the pool feed for the conservative media. Dive in now, 877-381-3811. It's going to cost more to put food on the table. It costs more to put gas in your car. It costs more. And, of course, Thanksgiving turkey and now Christmas presents all cost more. We're at a 31-year high in inflation, and they can say what they want, but the American people (laughs) understand it for what it is. But, I mean, other than that, you know, Biden... He's just awesome. I mean, take a look at Afghanistan, right? I mean, the, the border. Just, yeah. Just awesome, this guy. So here's the opportunity. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. And talking about in the first half hour here, education. So we have an opportunity in front of us. For the first time in the polling age, going back to the 1930s, The voters who are most unhappy with the president of the United States happen to be those that are youngest. 
Average approval rating nationally, just 31% among voters 18 to 34. A lot of these younger voters also happen to be some younger parents as well. Many of the younger parents that are starting to engage in a very big way, what's happening in the classroom. A lot of the parents that have been potentially investigated by the Biden administration as, who knows, potential domestic terrorists, right? All that nonsense. So the roadmap going forward as we head towards the midterms, there are a couple opportunities here. The first for generational change with adults and especially younger adults that are now taking a second look at things and realizing, hold on, Joe Biden was not the answer. Democrats are not the answer. Doesn't mean they're going to turn around and become Republicans. Doesn't mean they're going to go from being, you know, ideologues on the left to, to rock-solid conservatives. But there's an opportunity that with the right leadership and policy, they can be brought to conservative values. You can create a new conservative generation of young adults, much like the Gen Xers under Reagan. That's the opportunity with adults. And then the way you get there, starting these midterms, you advance candidates that share Reagan-esque kind of values that will lead on principle, that aren't just trying to win elections, people that will be movement candidates. That's the path forward for adults heading into next year. Primary process is huge. Then, as part of the much bigger effort, the retaking of our classrooms in conjunction with these young families that are not happy with what's happening inside of the classroom, we got to take back education. And you start doing that by rooting out the Marxism that's in there. And so, for example, as I mentioned, a lot of people will think critical race theory and say, you know, is critical race theory being taught? And you might have educators who come back and say, no, it's not. The question is, for example, is the 1619 project inside of the school library? Has anything been assigned with it? Is it being taught? These are the questions to begin to ask. Having a realization that even the teacher seems nice, 80% of public school teachers are members of a teacher's union. It doesn't mean that all 80% are a problem. It means that they contribute to being part of a problem at a minimum, and very well may be. And so we need to have our eyes open about them as well and what they are willing to do and to teach and to ask questions, to get engaged. These are all the important elements as we take step-by-step our country back. You do it from the bottom up. Keep the heat on those school boards. Keep the questions coming. Become more intuitive. Stay engaged with these teachers. Good candidates in the midterms that will read with lead with Reagan-like values. This is how we can go from maybe just having what looks like a red wave election cycle to where you slow the Marxism, the march to Marxism that we've had going on for decades, and you begin to change a generation in the country for good. It's all possible. That generational opportunity in front of us right now. 
All right, let's go to the phones. We got Kim in Scottsdale, Arizona. Kim, hope you're having a uh, wonderful Thanksgiving weekend. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, I just want to make a couple points, and you've had a great show tonight. That's why I'm calling in. Um, uh, with the with the fact that all these things are going on, let's start with vaccines, which no healthcare decision that's happened this year has been anything about healthcare. I'm a biochemist, and I will tell you that we will never eradicate COVID. It affects it infects too many animal groups. You will never completely eradicate it, and they keep acting like that's the goalpost. So this is a political thing, not a healthcare thing. Second, I'm really concerned about the midterm elections. We had what we thought was a victory with Yunkin in Virginia. We see mm, maybe some dubious Marxist ties. Will there even be midterm elections? Are they really going to sit around and wait for us to shellac them like everyone knows, everyone knows we will? Or will there be some big other crisis that comes on? Is it this new variant? Are we going to have martial law? Well, I mean, look at global relations. Will there be a, a true war? I, we really, really, really have to first know that we can secure our elections, know who we're really voting for, because I fell for the Yunkin you know, decoy. And we have 11 months to do it. We have got to make sure, I live in Arizona, we have got to make sure our elections are fair and secure. We have to know who these candidates we're primarying are. And we have to, we have to really be concerned that all of this is by design. They want this collapsed. They, this is, we, gotta, we just have to get out of our normalcy bias. It, we can't worry that we're going to sound like tinfoil hat wearers. This is for real. This could really happen. They could really stop the midterms. These vaccine mandates could just keep going on forever. We have to open our minds to that. Well, Kim, the level of concern and engagement I fully appreciate and I think is constructive. I'm going to I'll give you a little something about your state here in a moment. But at first, I mean, just from your your professional standpoint. So what you're saying is if we do get the Moderna in the left arm and if we get the Pfizer in the right arm and we go ahead and and just bend over and take the J&J there, even then it's still not a panacea, huh? Infect every bat. You would have to infect every deer. Uh, Let's see. It's been found in whales, rodents. I mean, if we if they can. You know, extend their campaign of vaccination to those animal groups and keep it going and going and going. It, it, I mean, I'm saying that, you know, facetiously. Right. It will never happen. People yeah. keep wearing these T-shirts. Look what happened with small. That only occurred in human beings. That's why you can't eradicate a disease that occurs in animals, too. You cannot. So, yes, here you understand and, and appreciate you being there. First thing I want to give you, it might be a little faith restoring for you in Arizona, a state that in theory Biden won last year. Biden's approval rating there, 37 percent, 37 percent. And you start taking a look at it. I had reference that there are 17 states where you have uh, Biden winning last year that he has net disapproval. Some are especially bad. You want one that we're all paying the price for, especially those Senate elections that went the other way? Georgia. Georgia. You know what Biden's approval rating in Georgia is right now? 31%. One of the lowest approval ratings of any state in the country. And so there are opportunities here. And the me to you on this, especially in a state like yours in Arizona, where you do still have Republican leadership, you do still have Republican control of the state government, as is true in Georgia, despite what happened in last year's elections, it's incumbent to make sure that you keep the pressure on your politicians to do the right thing. In terms of the cancellation of the elections and everything else next year, 
We cross bridges as we get there, but we help prevent getting there by taking control at the local level first and foremost and having those levels of, of engagement and conversations that we haven't before, starting with your school board, your local government officials, the people that in many cases have had a profound impact in your daily life during the course of this pandemic by their own decisions and by influencing them and by influencing outcomes in the primaries, then we can help move the needle in advance of the midterms when we cross other bridges as we get there. Let's go to Michael in D.C. Michael, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing today? All good. All good. How uh, about you? I, I'm doing great. Unfortunately, being a person, unfortunately, because of vaccination, I don't want to say my the county I work in. I was a law enforcement officer uh, December 31st. I'm going to be unemployed wow. uh, because of unfortunately not being back. Um, the thing is, though, everything is being, it's mind games. And like they said, everything is political. It, the people are still getting the virus when they, uh, unfortunately, are vaccinated, when everything's going on. It's just been going on constantly. I mean, schools, I mean, the, the school that my children go to. And Yeah, I mean, like, I, I appreciate your service and, you know, the, the, challenges that that come into play based upon where you live we see it on full display we see it in this again you know it gets down to the importance of a local government right i mean i i've long said in my career every election has consequences it's often those that are closest to you in geography that have the biggest impacts in your daily life well Biden is pushing the limits of that, right? I mean, we literally can't go get go get gas and, and get out of the way of this guy. But still, during the course of, of the pandemic, take a look at what you're talking about. The decisions that are being made with, with kids in school. You know, th- these are local officials. And we've allowed, often through just looking the other way and, and not paying attention to local elections, local races, these types of things happen. You being in law enforcement and up against a mandate where you could lose your job, I tell you in the state of Florida, you can't. In fact, if you want to, if you're going to lose your job and you want to move to the state of Florida, our governor is authorizing $5,000 bonuses for law enforcement professionals that come and work in the state of Florida. We're looking to beef up our law enforcement here, and we're looking to reward them. And so, uh, aside from recruitment for for the free state of Florida, which keeps me sane every day as I wake up here, the point is this. You know, our decisions at the local level have profound impacts in our life. And that's why what we're talking about here is critical. We all have a role to play, and it's a role to play with our neighbors and others around us informationally who are open right now. Because, again... We have more people that are open than have been before at any point since the Carter into Reagan era and with young adults in particular on record. So we need to seize the opportunity. That's what we've got in front of us heading into next year. And if we do, there's a lot to feel good about. Speaking of having a lot to feel good about, I'm going to leave you with some of that. Next, I'm Brian Mudd, and for the great one. Mud Lovin'.
the same time you're, you're trying to get American companies to decrease production, you got the president of the United States begging OPEC to increase production. I asked him in the hearing, I said, what do you guys want? $8 gasoline? And the truth is, they do. They're this committed to their crazy Green New Deal policies. They actually want to harm American families. Yeah, I mean, and at a certain point, that's the case, right? I mean, you take a look at certain failures like the border, like Afghanistan, like inflation, and you can kind of scratch your head at times and go, hold on. If you are attempting to screw the country, like if it was your objective to really jack things up, would you do anything differently? And at the point where you go, yeah, no, not not really. At some point, there is intense behind it, right? And the intent can come in, in many forms. In some cases, it's the agenda, right? I mean, how dare you drive your, your gas guzzler to begin with, let alone have nice, affordable, cheap prices so you can drive even farther and pollute the planet. In other cases, it might be government reliance. Hey, if we had enough people that are fired and out of work, maybe we get them on some government programs and, and then, you know, keep them as, as trained Democrat voters. Because we'll just keep giving them free puppies and free candy and free Biden bucks. They're anything but free. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. When I mentioned that I was going to leave you with something that was, was positive. Talked about a roadmap forward and the generational opportunity that's in front of us, especially with young adults and subsequently their kids as well by taking back the schools. I mentioned the 17 states. The 17 states that Joe Biden won where he now has net negative approval. Okay, when you take a look at in the electoral college context, if you have net negative approval as an incumbent president, history generally suggests that a generic ballot opponent would be favored. Okay, so history as a guide. You have the following states where a generic ballot Republican would have as good or perhaps even a better chance of winning against Joe Biden straight up today. Those 17 states are Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Joe Biden's home state of Delaware, Georgia, Illinois, Maine, Michigan, Minnesota, Nevada, New Hampshire, New Mexico, all states, Biden won last year, where he has net negative disapproval right now, where a generic ballot Republican would likely have a solid opportunity of beating him straight up right now. You ready for this next one? This just happened within the past week. First time yet. New York, the state of New York. Joe Biden now has net negative approval. Oregon. Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, Virginia, and Wisconsin. Now, as for the folks in, like, you know, Cali and Hawaii, and even Jersey, I mean, I I don't know what to tell you. I mean, there are, we, we do have still a handful of states where it's not looking good for you. But for most even blue states last year, there is a heck of a lot of hope there. And if you do your part, starting at the local level, and if we get good candidates coming out of these primaries next year, and then we get a great president, 
great candidate a couple of years from now, and into 2024, the stars can align, and we can recreate what we had with Reagan in the 80s, and perhaps even with a conservative Congress, which Reagan never had. There's a lot, as horrible as it is out there right now, to feel good about. We all got to do our part, though. A programming note here. Life, Liberty, Levin, this Sunday, 8 Eastern. It is part one of The Great Ones one-on-one with President Trump. And remember, for the holidays, if you don't have it already, you need to get it for everybody you love. American Marxism, pick it up on Amazon. Enjoy the rest of your Thanksgiving weekend. Always a pleasure being here. Brian Mudd, in for The Great One, Mark Levin.